our deepest fears that we are powerful beyond measure. I will live every day as if there were a microphone tucked under my tongue. It's great to get in the game, but don't get in the game until you understand the rules till you're an insider. Your life changes when you begin having a different conversation in your head. What we need to do in radically deep problems is propose radically visionary solutions. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Welcome to our festive PowerCut series, where the Inside Influence team and I take a six-week pause over Christmas to reset, read, recalibrate, and generally refill our creative tanks. Oh, and you know, we'll, we'll probably eat a few mince pies while we're at it. To keep you fueled while we're gone, we have traveled back through the archives and pulled out six of our all-time favorite Inside Influence episodes from over the past year. We have then cut those down even further into the most powerful moments that I can say, hand on heart, have radically shifted how I have shown up, led and influenced over the past 12 months. No fluff, just 20 minutes of solid gold wisdom. If you're new to the Inside Influence community, enjoy the ride. If you are a long-term listener, I promise you these moments are so worth a refresh. Today's power cut is with Elizabeth Lesser. Elizabeth is the author of several best-selling books, including her New York Times bestseller, Broken Open, How Difficult Times Can Help Us Grow, which has sold over 500,000 copies and has been translated into 20 plus languages. She is the co-founder of the Amiga Institute, which is recognized internationally for its workshops and conferences in wellness, spirituality, creativity, and social change. She is also the creator of two amazing TED Talks on civility, understanding, and the power of truth-telling, as well as being one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, a collection of 100 leaders who are using their voices to elevate humanity. In this part of our conversation, we discuss the Phoenix process, in particular the difference, the core difference between breaking open and breaking down. How we tend to respond when we smell the smoke of a part of our life, career or relationships that's trying desperately to transform. Plus, the concept of the modern day warrior. How we as leaders and influence can do no harm, but also take no shit. If you enjoyed this Power Cut episode and would like to hear my full conversation with Elizabeth, check out episode 138, I think, on either my website, juliemasters.com, or any of your usual podcast hangouts. For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this bite-sized version of one of the most powerful moments from my conversation with Elizabeth Lesser. You've got me just thinking about the word warrior there, which is strangely a word I think about a lot. I don't know if it's having a young daughter and a, and a young son, because that word warrior, there's a lot of space within that word for the masculine. You know, there's, there's, when we think about warrior, there's a lot of space there for that. And I found myself asking a lot, and especially when I started on my journey as a leader very young, and stepped into a leadership and leading people who were sometimes twice, sometimes three times my age. And I was trying to find, spent a lot of time trying to find my way in that. A lot of time trying to figure out, okay, so if I go the route of, you know, quieter and does that work? No, not so much. Okay, what if I go the route of just kind of like I will meet 
kind of not aggression, but I will meet power with power and I'll just kind of out masculine. And that didn't work so well either. And that question of what does a warrior look like for me? What does it take to show up fearlessly, but with space in that for peace, for healing, for listening, for the holding, for the transformation? Can you have both? And that's a genuine question. And then it's one I still ponder today. Can you, is there space in the word warrior for me, for us, for everybody on this planet? That's my, that's, that's the question that I uh, have pondered the most my whole life too. And I, and in my most recent book, and I know you also wanted to speak about my other books and that's fine, but um, I teach a, a meditation in this recent book based on that question, because it is the question of, for women in leadership now. Can we do power differently? Can we be powerful? Can we be the warrior, but can we do it differently? And so I came up with this meditation that based on a um, a needle point that I found in my sister's office after she died. She was a nurse and it said, do no harm, but take no shit. And as a nurse, you take the oath, the Hippocratic oath to do no harm. That's the medical oath. That's the number one oath doctors take. I shall do no harm to my patients. And she had after it, but take no shit because nurses take a lot of shit. Quite so, literally, literally and figuratively. Correct. And so I've always loved um, the Buddhist statues you see around now. Everybody has them in their garden where one hand is up in the stop motion and the other is this cup. So if you're not viewing this and you're just listening to us, it's, it's one hand is held up strongly like stop and the other is a cup as if you're like catching the rain and i've always i've always loved this these mudras these gestures held together because they're only shown together in buddhist iconography this idea of strength and openness softness and strength they also often talk about strong back in meditation and soft front, open heart, strong back. And this is all physical ways of asking that question that you ponder all the time, which is, can I be strong and fierce? And can I have a soft and open forgiving heart? Can they live together and feed each other and tell us when it's appropriate to be fierce and when it's appropriate to back away and to listen and so I, I came up with this meditation because there's something about demystifying the whole Buddhist yogi thing with like words that us English speakers get. So do no harm. That's that cupped hand. But take no shit. How do they live together when I go into a meeting and I'm scared and I want to be defensive and on the attack? How do I also listen? And bear witness to other people's concerns and pain. But don't get run over. Don't get taken advantage of. How do I do that? 
And sometimes if I'm going into a meeting and I'm flummoxed like that, I will take my hands. Sometimes I'll put them under the desk so people don't think I'm totally weird. Um, just to remind my body, I can be strong. I can be open because if I'm too strong, I'm an asshole. I don't want to do that. The world is such a mess. I don't want to perpetuate the warrior code of never backing down, never listening, manipulating, dominating. I don't want to do that. But if I'm too sensitive and too soft, I'll get run over because it's harsh. It's a harsh world. So it's both. It's strong back. It's soft front. It's do no harm. It's take no shit. It's knowing when. But mostly it's praying to balance them. A mentor of mine, when I was having a similar conversation, she, she looked to me and she said, you know, you can, you can have both. You can, you can hold two opposing views, two opposing words, in, and similar, in one in each hand. You can hold both. One does not cancel out the other. One actually, if you can hold them, one strengthens the other. For me, that's, that's you know, if you want to play around with the word enlightenment, that's enlightenment to me. It's nothing fancy. It's um, being that that person who is totally sensitive to others and the whole world, so sensitive that your heart's almost broken all the time. But you let that happen. You, 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 you live with that. And the other side of that is you're totally open to joy and love and freedom. But your heart is just ex exquisitely attuned to everything. But you're also not, not a pushover because that doesn't help anyone. And that's, that's our path. It's not like, and I got there last week and I'm just fine now. It's a path. We're always falling off in one direction or the other, but the path is clear. It's, it's the balance of those two forces, strength and softness. I want to I want to talk about falling off the path because you know when I first reached out to you about this interview I sat there going to write the email to you to say would you like to come on the podcast and the truest thing that I could think of to say was that you know your book Broken Open has been one of the most cherished resources I have had during times when I've fallen off the path and I've gone back to it a number of times in my life and I have gifted it. And I actually had a copy on my desk when I wrote to you, ready to send to another friend. I have gifted it so many times. And so I just want to talk about the, there's the path and then there's when we fall off the path. And sometimes we fall off a little bit, sometimes we stumble and sometimes we fall and we just keep falling and we keep falling and we keep falling and we're not quite sure when we're going to stop. Um, you, one of the first lines in that book, and I'm going to be using a lot of quotes from the book just because when I sat down to put these questions together, I, I've got all the quotes written down. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to bring the quotes with me. That's a good idea. Um, you said the, the time came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. What, was there a moment in your life that compelled you to write Broken Open? So the big moment in my life that compelled me to write it was getting divorced, being a young mom and getting divorced. 
And when I set out to write it, um, I didn't want to write my own story. I just didn't want to because there's a, a lot of shame in the times we fall and fall and fall, as you said. So I, I wanted to like use old myths, you know, the myths of, of the Joseph Campbell myth of, of going on the journey and uh, having to fall off only to find your way back. And, uh, you know, I wanted to write about friends I knew. I wanted to write about famous people who had fallen off. I didn't want to tell my story. And very soon into writing the book, uh, I started writing about the most important step on the journey is to know that we're all falling, all of us. There's no one spared of the falling and the rising and the falling. And then I thought, so you're not going to write about yourself? You're going to hide out? You're, 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 you just broke your first rule. <laughs> so I decided I would make it part memoir and part, you know, the greats who have gone before us and, and charted the journey for us. But the more I wrote, the more I ended up telling the whole story. And for me, my great broken open moment, I had such a, a dream of never being a divorced person, of always having an intact family, of never doing something to my beloved little children who were quite young at the time, three and five, of, of, of making, you know, as parents, we just want to protect our children from every hurt. So here I was about to hurt them in the worst way. On the other hand, I was in a very, very difficult, unhappy and not well relationship that was harming me. So that decision to do something that would break my life and my children's life and my ex-husband's life yet would open me to the possibility of walking in this world as a happy person, as a whole person, as a generous person. Uh, I made that choice. I made the choice to break open. And, and the other side of that pain was so glorious and such, so much more than I ever could have expected. You know, to take my life in my own hands and to make a choice for my own wellness. I just wanted to share with people both the pitfalls and the journey and the gifts from it. And so that was what motivated me to write the book. I want to talk a little bit about the breaking and then we can, you know, move into the, the rising, the rising game. But I think it's really important to focus on the breaking, I know that it was for me because that was my inability. If I look at my own moments in time when I've fallen and fallen and fallen and fallen, it's my, it was my inability to recognize the breaking and take healthy steps that kept me falling or at least kept me falling in a way that was more suffering than was necessary. So Let's just talk about the difference here between breaking open and breaking down, because there's a significant difference, I know. Yes. Um, well, I think we all know what it feels like to break down. Um, when the world begins to feel dark, uninviting, 
unnourishing, you know, when it you just look like, is this really all there is? I got one life and I'm going to live it like this? And for me, for many years, my answer was, yes, I am going to live it like this. You know, like it's a fantasy that you can be fully alive. I don't like the word happy or content. I like the word more fully alive, really present here, living it to the maximum of my potential and my capacity. So um, I just told myself, that doesn't really happen. That's just a story. You know, a lot of us come from families growing up where you didn't see examples of full-on living, expressive loving, uh, parents who like cherished your your skills and helped you step into who you are. You know, I didn't grow up in that kind of family, so I just thought, well, you know, uh, half a life—that's normal. That's what people do. And um, for me, breaking down was selling out to that full life. For other people, breaking down means clinical depression. It means being unhealthy, means not being in your body, not being well, not, you know, eating too much instead of living fully, working too hard, doing too much alcohol and drugs, all the things we do to numb the pain of not living fully. And and the fear of living fully is that something in you knows something has to change here. I have to make some change that might feel like a loss in the beginning, that might lead, big risk here, might not, but it might lead to my freedom. Whether it's leaving a job, changing the rules of a marriage, or leaving a marriage, or getting married, or, or all the decisions that are huge and that we're afraid to make. It's like, I don't want to go there too scary, too risky. I'll just stay here living half a life. And sometimes those moments, you know, they're, they're cataclysmic. It's, it's the death of a loved one. It's an illness. It's a pandemic and a war. And sometimes those, those moments, I, I was thinking of it more, you can smell the smoke early. There are moments where you just have that feeling, right? Just that yes. nagging. And I've spoken to so many kind of business owners, people who are living an incredible life, you would, you would look at them and think it had always been that way. And when you, when you talk to them, they can usually all, and I actually considered starting a podcast called The Moment because you can usually all talk about a moment, a moment in time where I realized I either wasn't where I was supposed to be, I wasn't doing what I, I wasn't fully present, I wasn't fully living, but and this is how most people's stories go after this, but I carried on because that's what you do. And I ended up getting sick, um, breaking everything around me, sabotaging the very things that I had built. Um, and I realized when looking back at those, because one for me was I, I burnt out in my, in my 30s. And I can remember very clearly the moment when I smelt the smoke for the first time and very clearly where I was and the decision to keep running, to keep moving. And part of that for me was the keeping running was, do you know what I'm going to do? 
I can smell some smoke here, but I'm going to, I'm going to run out, run around and put out every fire that I can find. I'm just going to hunt the smoke down and put out a thousand fires just to see if I can control this, see if I can get this back under control. And in not allowing the fire to arrive fully and in not having the courage to step into it and in not feeling like I could let burn what needed to be burnt away, I just exhausted myself in a heap, running around, putting out tiny little fires. What's been, what's been your experience of those, of those moments, those moments where we smell the smoke and how we tend to respond? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you use the imagery of fire and smoke because in Broken Open, I call the process the phoenix process, which the phoenix bird in all sorts of mythologies is the bird. And the one, the story we know the most is as an Egyptian myth where, but it's in native cultures. It's, it's a common theme where this great bird senses that um, a change must be made, that he must make a change. And so he builds a pyre of herbs and frankincense and myrrh and uh, sticks and a huge pile and sets himself on fire and burns his in, burns to the ground. He is nothing. But then because he's a magical bird, he rises from the ashes. The phoenix bird rises from the ashes, a brand new bird himself, but new. And we are magical creatures too. We truly are. When I'm in touch with my magic, meaning the fact that I can recreate myself whenever I want, um, then I, I feel this phoenix energy rising in me that I don't have to be stuck. Now, it, as you said, it doesn't have to be a huge drama. You don't have to be like, oh, I guess she's saying I should leave my marriage and my job right now. Goodbye, everybody. Um, sometimes it's recommitting with more energy. What it is, is smelling the smoke, as you say. Allowing yourself to feel what's really going on. When you reach for that third glass of wine, when you say, I'm going to go for a run, when you're stopping for a little while, what, what am I doing here? What am I not wanting to feel? This is all meditation really is. I'll let you in on a little secret. It's not some sort of fancy spiritual hoo-ha. It's sitting still and breathing and asking yourself, what's going on here? Who am I? Who am I really? And the answer to that question is I am a blessed, magical child of the universe with this incredible opportunity to be alive. Am I, am I just existing or am I living? Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have seized hold of at least one tool, idea or mindset that will help you start raising your own level of influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your journey or would just love a roadmap to becoming the most influential voice, idea or brand in your space, then I have good news. 
You can now download the latest updated version of my ebook, The Influencer Code, from my website, juliemasters.com. Also, there's a link in the show notes. Just pop in your email address, and I promise I will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of ideas, tools, and case studies that I have come across in my now 20-plus years of doing this work, not to mention the seven areas and seven core questions that I have found to be hands-down the most valuable when it comes to immediately lifting your ability to make an impact. Download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope it makes a massive difference in both your career and your business. Thank you always to my co-founder and the main brain behind this podcast, Lauren Kelly. You kick my butt in all the right ways. Thank you for making it happen. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode.